Hello, you people, and welcome to Nate Talking to People on a Podcast. That's right, I'm Nate, and what I do on this show, of course, is I, well, you know, talk to people on a podcast. It's pretty much the theme of the show. And uh, this week, I am joined by a good friend of mine, an author, a podcast host, and an all-around swell fella, Mr. Ian Totten. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hello, Nate. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, Like I said, folks, on the first episode, if you heard the show, this is just essentially me talking to people I like to talk to uh, that I think I'm going to have a good conversation with. Take a little bit of your time and and entertain you a little bit. Ian, I know that you have... um, We'll get into the podcast secondly. I want to talk... because this is something else that fascinates me. I also love to talk to people that can do shit that I can't do. And, and meaning like um, <laughs> but the first show, my buddy, my buddy that was on the first show is, is a musician. He's a, he's a pretty successful drummer here locally in the area. Mm-hmm. And like I talked to him about, I am a guy that loves music, but has no musical talent whatsoever. So, you know, I his, you know, Tim talking to me about that was fascinating. And it's the same with you creatively i i am i am a humorist you know to a certain extent and improvisationally in a group or whatever or on a podcast or what have you i can just improv and do i can be entertaining for two hours if i have to be but what fascinates me about authors especially fiction authors is the ability to sit down with a blank piece of paper or a blank computer screen and just Right. And and I just I, I know we'll discuss your books, obviously, but what is that process like writing? You know, it fascinates me because I can't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is all consuming. When mm-hmm. I'm working on a book, if I'm not at the shoot job during the day, that's when I get home. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. Uh. I'm a voracious reader. I got into writing when I was in school and really just, it went from there writing short stories and stuff. And when I was in the Navy, I wrote one and people were like, you know, this is really good. And somebody stole it from me. And yeah, that really disheartened me greatly. For about seven years. And when I was in my late 20s, I just, I was in a band. Um, and I just, my mind never stops. It's a 24-7 movie reel. Right. And I just started thinking about, about that story that I'd been working on when I was in the Navy. And I was like, I don't want to work on that. So I started writing something else. But that first story wouldn't leave. So I abandoned what I was working on and I just plunged into it with no idea where it was going to end. Um, and I mean, like I said, when I'm writing, it's, it's all consuming. I, I'm talking Monday through Sunday. Right. Yeah. Well, and it has to be because, I mean, like you said, if because I'm the same way in that my brain is just constantly, you know, what, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, a lot of times it is, it is either focused on thinking about what I'm going to do for my podcasts. Or um, I also, like I said, humor, like to me, everything's a joke. 
Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's why, that's why I always say you know, people choose to be offended. If you're offended, you're, it's your choice to be offended because to me, there is humor in everything there to me, it no holds barred with humor. Um, so I'm, I, I understand, I totally understand what you're saying. Like a busy brain, just a busy brain all the time. Well, it is. It's, you know, some, I've heard some people describe the way their brain works in different ways. I'm friends with a quite a number of other authors. Actually, my best friend is a guy. He does it professionally for a living. We bounce ideas off each other and stuff. Um, it takes him forever to write a book. Okay. I can, if I'm focused and I, mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it just won't stop. I can knock out a 90,000 word book in a month. Wow. Editing and what have you takes longer in the right. second draft, but it's like I said, my mind is a, it's like a movie screen. I just, when I'm lying down in bed at night, that's stuff I think about. The last uh, two of my, two of my books have been based off of dreams I had. And that, I was just about, that was going to be my next question for you is like I said, for me, not being able to sit down with a blank piece of paper and write something. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say. Where do you pull, you know what I mean? Where do you pull that? The idea, just even the idea for the nugget of a story to just start building off of. They just, it, that's the way my stories work with my brain is they, they usually come to me almost fully formed just out of nowhere. I'll be reading about something and something will just catch my, you know, one of my synapses and starts running with it. And the next thing I know, I'm not thinking about whatever it was I was paying attention to. I'm thinking about this idea that's got my head. And the next thing I know, I've got the beginning, middle and end. to right. it. And I'm, honestly, the way I work is I... I let it ferment for, you know, a couple of weeks. Let mm -hmm. my brain flesh it out. Who are these people? What are their names? What's going on with them? All the little nuances. Uh, my first three books were a, trilo uh, a trilogy, and it was all daydreams. You know, boring life. God, I hate this, you know, job, yada, yada, yada. Right. Uh, daydreaming. The next book was a dream. The next one after that was I got sick of seeing all these, you know, serial killer tropes being drawn out there and thrown <laughs> out there. And I wanted to, pre to present the most realistic serial killer I possibly could in a book. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's that's Maggie, right? <laughs> no, that's the throwaway girls of Olympia. Maggie is one that I had been floating around for probably close to a decade. Okay. And my mind is a slippery place. If I don't grab onto something, when it comes to me, it runs off. And eventually it'll come back, but it runs off. And that one just kept coming to me and then running off before I could grab a hold of it and tie it down. Because mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I have both of those. I have downloaded both of those to my Kindle <laughs> app, and they are, they are in my queue to read. There's been so much stuff coming out lately that I wanted to read. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an inside politics kind of guy. Yeah. All these books about Trump's ass. I've been like fascinated with that stuff. And that's kind of like got me right now. It's, <laughs> it's like every other week there's a new one. It's like, oh, it never ends. But yeah, they are definitely in my, those two are in my queue right now for, and I saw one that I didn't. Okay. So the house of silver doors, is that the first one? 
No, the first book I wrote was Heart of Man, with it, which is a vampire dystopian book. Okay. And that's the first in a trilogy, and I don't push those ones too much. I'm proud of them, but there's so many mistakes in them. Right. That I'm embarrassed that by the amount of mistakes because I was still learning my craft. I was still learning how to work with editors. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, believe it or not, though, that the first two books in that series are what got me to be a bestseller. Oh, no shit. Because I'm a professional prostitute. And if you find a professional author that tells you he's not, he's not a professional author. <laughs> I hustled those books nonstop everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife gets kind of embarrassed because we'll go out to some place and invariably I freaking bring up the fact that I'm an author and a podcaster. And here's the freaking my books and here's my freaking you know, oh, yeah. link yeah. to the website and here's a business card. Same. And, and I mean, I, I get, I mean, I, I have, I have a little bit of her support in it because the, the Motley Soup podcast we do together. Mm-hmm. So obviously we promote it together, but yeah, if I see somebody to, uh, for those of you that are listening and don't know, you might not know. I host, a, I have a big professional wrestling podcast network. Somebody's wearing a, a fucking Randy Orton t-shirt or an NWO t-shirt or anything like that. Hey, check out my podcast. Yes, you've got to promote. You can't build your you can't build your brand if you don't promote it. You know, the other day there was some the dope at the at the counter at the uh, at the gas station when I got my cigarettes was watching SmackDown. Yeah. Hey, you're watching SmackDown, buddy. You should check out my professional wrestling podcast. You know, just you've got to promote. That's, That's what you got to do. And it's, I mean, I'm still learning. I've been at this for a little while now with the books. Um, But again, uh, you know, my, my best friend, he's an author too. We bounce stuff off of each other. We let each other know what works, what hasn't worked as far as promotion. And, you know... Mm-hmm. the goal is to do it professionally for a living and not have to rely on any other source of income. Exactly. Exactly. My biggest thing, my biggest problem is I need to become more. And I think, I think it's, it's because I'm 44 and I peaked at like Facebook. I need to become more apt with social medias. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I promote on Facebook very well, mm-hmm. but I have almost next to no presence on Twitter I don't, I, you know, it, my wife's like, we need to, we need to get your stuff on, on TikTok. I don't even have TikTok on my phone. I'm like, how I the just, fuck? And I'm like, how the fuck do you even, and she's like, t- she's like schooling me about how TikTok works. You know, I'm just. Again, my, my, my best friend, you know, talking with him. I, I just started the TikTok. It's helped my book sales. So I started really... TikTok a couple months ago. It's helped my book sales. Awesome. Um, I'm just myself on social media. My whole brand is me. You know, I'm a, a testy SOB and I like what I like. I don't like what I don't like. And that's the way there is. And I got a pretty dark sense of humor. Well, and that's why that's why it's like that's why I like conversing with you. And that's why I thought we, we would have a good chemistry on the mm-hmm. show, because you seem like you're like me. Like, even if I don't even if we don't agree on everything, mm-hmm. what, how boring is a conversation with someone that agrees with you on everything? You know, I love, <laughs> I miss, I, and that's something I miss in this country is debate. There is no such fucking thing as debate anymore. Everything is, is the minute you say like, okay, for me, I don't like Donald Trump, mm-hmm. but, but the minute I say, I don't like Donald Trump, then there's somebody who goes, but Biden. And it's like, wait, I didn't say I like Biden either. 
you no. know, they're, they're, people are constantly trying to just put you into this bubble now where like me personally, I can agree on, I, I agree with, with, with Republicans on a spending side, but I agree with Democrats as far as social issues go. You know, you can be two things at once. Yes, and I just, the, the, our, our, the government and media doesn't want that though. No, they don't. They don't. And that, and that's, yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. Just, it is for the past, especially decade. It is just talking heads screaming at each other. Yes. And divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe I it was I, just, I believe it was Adolf Hitler that said it. You can get every, you can get the people to believe one mass of lie as opposed to a thousand little lies. Yeah. Something to that effect, and that's what they do. They divide and conquer by telling us we're all different and this side hates you and that side hates you and and then, I'm, I'm neither side, so they all must hate me. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, well, that's what I was going to say. You see all this, okay, this is an example. You see all this shit on the news about the racial divide and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, when I go through my everyday life, knowing many people of many different races and many different colors, I'm not saying we never have conversations. I'm not saying that, 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 that one of my African-American friends might say, this is an issue for my people. Yeah, okay, I can see that. But we have I have never been in a situation where it was like hostile. I don't know if the hostility is manufactured. I don't know if it's just trolls. I don't know what it is, but I have never experienced the hostility. I think it's a friend of mine used to call the internet is a false reality. Um, and we've gotten to a stage that people no longer realize that being online is not the same as being out into the real world. Right, so they right. bring that, what they're doing online with them out into the real world. Um, and you see it in these videos, you know, everybody's got to freaking confront somebody over somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, that person was wrong. The person getting videotaped is almost always the one they're saying is in the wrong. You know what? Ten years ago, you wouldn't do that because people freaking actually had manners and understood that you just don't confront people because there's a chance you're going to get shot or you're going to get your ass whooped. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you do see it. You know, the thing that gets me is you see a gang of people come up on somebody and they're videotaping them to call them out for somebody. What are they going to do the day that one of these people just says, fuck you and runs them over? Right. Yeah. And it happens. It happens from time to time, you know? Yeah. People just get fed up with the bullshit and snap and mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um I know we went off on a oh, side, right. side wing there, but that's that's what this show's about, just having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um as far as your novels go, where would you where would you suggest a reader start? Like what is your favorite? What would you suggest is the, the best one to read first? The best one, my personal favorite out of everything I've written was is the Throwaway Girls of Olympia. It's a crime thriller. It's the one I was taught. It's was talking about earlier. It's really it's a story about a, a small American town confronted with something that they've never experienced before. But it's also a story about two different sects of society uh, intersecting in this town. That being the uh, conservative mindset of the 1970s with the more liberal mindset that was starting to prevail in law enforcement in the 1970s, specifically the uh, FBI. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, That's the most difficult thing I have ever written. Not in a, it upset me, 
it taxed me mentally because I had to make sure everything, all my, you know, ducks were in a row, everything lined up. There were no gaps or holes in the story where somebody could go, well, you know, they could just do this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we all do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I don't watch movies or television shows, because that's all I do. And then the wife wants to hit me in the head with a frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> See, in my in my in my marriage, it's the opposite way. My wife does. My wife is trying to figure out the end before the movie's even like five minutes into it. She's like, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm like, shut up and watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, I see. I'm sitting there going, Jesus Christ, the writing in this sucks. Nobody talks like that. <laughs> and that is. That is a lot of modern film. Um, yeah, I mean, modern, st- I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't. Well, we'll talk about that later because that's one of the five questions. But, All right. um, and then of course, you can let everybody know where they can find your stuff. All right. Uh, you can find all of my novels. There's six of them out. There's the Heart of Ma- the Blood Gods trilogy, which is the Heart of Man, the Birth of Death and Gods of Fear, and then the House of Silver Doors, which is a uh, horror novel, sort of in the vein of uh, Stephen King meets H.P. Lovecraft, then The Throwaway Girls of Olympia, which is a crime thriller, and then Maggie, which is a horror crime thriller. All of them can be found at Amazon, on Audible, or you can find them through my website, CorpseCreekPublishing.com. Awesome. And then the next thing is the podcast. Yes. And I I absolutely appreciate your podcast. And I'm going to tell you why. Because, and we will, it is called the Death Cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'll let Ian describe it to you, seeing as it's his show. But what, what I wanted to tell you that I appreciate because I am a, I am, uh, as anybody that listens to any shows I'm on, I'm a long-winded motherfucker and I appreciate detail. Mm-hmm. And that's what I appreciate about your podcast about your podcast is the detail that is taken, the, the time that is taken, the care that is taken to tell the story. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, I've been into true crime since I was 18 years old, even longer than that. I just didn't know it was true crime. Right. <laughs> At that point, it was just I remember watching Channel 11 News out in New York and seeing all of the crimes that were happening. And just being fascinated by it and remembering the stuff 15, 20 years later in detail. When the advent of the internet came around, it was a goldmine for me because now I could go and find out what happened to all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I love true crime. I'm not your – my true crime groups I'm in, we're pretty hardcore. We're looking at crime scene photos, things like that, pictures, you know, videos of people getting run over by steamrollers. We're not your ID channel, basic bitches. Right. <laughs> um, these people that are flipping out over Jeffrey Dahmer. That's mm-hmm. not our scene. Um, that people that are into true crime and have been for decades, most of them were like a, I am. They're really into it. They understand what it is that they're looking at and reading about and watching. As opposed to these this newer generation that's popped up in the last decade where... It's like the in thing, so everybody's got to be into it. But when, right. the minute you stop, you know, you put away the cookies and milk and get into the fact that we're talking about people dying horrifically or being sexually abused, they get all up in a tizzy because it's too graphic. That's the reality. 
Yeah, they want that. They want. They want. They want a little Hollywood with their serial killers. That yeah, not just the all of it. They want this sanitized version, and it's. You want a sanitized version? Go out and read Reader's Digest, or go listen to you know. I'm not going to name this. There are certain podcasts out there that give fairly sanitized versions of things that happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. When I get into a case. You know, I may leave stuff out just because it's not imperative to the story, but I I explain what happened, the why, the how of it, my thoughts on it. Um, I did a 14-part a uh, series on Jimmy Saville, who was a mm-hmm. British DJ, and I've had numerous people tell me that I'm probably the preeminent expert on Jimmy Saville in the United States because I've been studying the guy for over a decade. Yeah, and I mean, that, like I said, that's a testament to the 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 effort you put into the show. Mm-hmm. And that's what I said. Like I said, I, I just, I appreciate it so much because of that. Um, the, and that, that was a question I wanted to ask you was, you know, and you brought up Dahmer, which I didn't mind the TV series. It was fine. It was a fine way to pass time. And I thought the acting was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt so bad for his fucking dad. <laughs> but anyway, <Final>. yeah, <laughs> He's like, oh, my kid, I'm just trying to just, you know, I'm a dad. I, you know, it's like, yeah. well, how would I feel if it was my kid? But um, the not that's what I was going to say is, you know, you've got your, I guess you'd say brand names, you know, <laughs> Dahmer, yes. Gacy, uh, uh, Bundy, et cetera, et cetera. Who is who is what is one that is a um, your your favorite not as well-known story, like your favorite one to, to dig that you have dug into that isn't what that isn't one that's everybody's heard of. You know what I mean? Uh, John Paul Knowles. Okay. Um, he, again, this is a true crime thing that people that are really into will get it. He's my absolute favorite. Uh, he's kind of like an anti-hero. He did some pretty awful shit. But he was just a guy who didn't give a fuck. He started out as a petty criminal and just escalated. Um, and he died in police custody, trying to escape by grabbing the officer's gun. Jesus. You see pictures of him. He looks like Bond Scott from ACDC. He's got that 70s hair, the cigarette mm-hmm. hanging out of his mouth. His face is all bruised up. He's wearing freaking a leather jacket and handcuffs. He just hit a point where he had no more fucks to give and said, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And he went on a multi-state crime spree. Again, he did pretty horrific stuff. There's just something about the guy that's alluring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he broke into people's houses. He committed rapes. He committed murders. He grabbed people off the street and murdered them. Took off out of the state, stole cars. He just... And again, he he had no fucks left to give. He was going to do whatever he wanted to do. And this was a guy who had been in and out of jails and prisons for the majority of his whole life. His whole life. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's only around 26 or so when he died. Jesus. So, yeah. Some people are just wired. Some people are just wired so much yeah. differently. <laughs> it's fascinating. You got him. There's uh Dean Coral, he was big news at the time. Um, he inspired Gacy. Uh, he was known as the Houston mass murderer. He's known to have murdered at least 28 young boys, although the evidence shows that he probably killed many, many more than that. And by many, mm-hmm. many more, I mean, you know, 50 or 60. 
not including boys that he sold into sexual slavery across the country. Um, he's a fascinating case because he recruited two 17-year-olds to help him lure people in. Wow. And murdered by one of his uh, one of his accomplices. And it's like you said, it's like you said, you listen, you know, I listen to you say something like that and people watch a movie, watch a movie or watch, watch 48 hours or some shit, you know, and yeah, it's, it's, it's so sanitized and it's like they almost separate themselves from the reality of the fact that this actually happened. This person, (laughs) this person took other people's lives or, or, or defiled people or what have you, you know, yes, this, you're just looking at this as entertainment. This actually fucking happened. (laughs) Yeah. And I find it fascinating, you know, that this happened, that these things happen and more so people don't grasp the concept that not only did this stuff happen, it continues to happen, not just in this country, but all over the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you've seen in the last couple of years, there's been a big spike in serial killers being captured. Uh, and it's interesting to watch because for decades upon decades, ever since the f- phenomena of serial killers was first recognized by law enforcement back in the 1970s, it was thought that the predominantly serial killers were was a whites-only crime. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the actual numbers, I don't mean statistics, in the last, since the mid-1980s onward, predominantly it's African-American males from inner cities. It's just, it's fascinating to, you know, what's going on in their makeup that, right. you know, yes, we have a lot of serial killers within, you know, white community, but how is it that you know, there's so many more of them, or is it just that they're being caught? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is does that have something to do with the fact that law enforcement is obviously looking at African Americans more? You know, I mean, obviously, that's kind of a proven thing. You know, it's it's. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that is fascinating. I did not know that. Oh, and uh, believe it or not, the majority of the ones who were caught in the early 2000s were caught for crimes they committed in the 80s and 90s. The reason that they didn't look at it was because of the people they were targeting. The majority of serial killers target sex workers. Sex workers are looked at like drug addicts. They're non-entities as far as law enforcement is concerned. So when one of them dies or goes missing, in their eyes, it's, you know, they took off to somewhere else or whatever. Right. Um, There was a guy in the early 2000s, uh, the Grim Sleeper. They got him. He stopped. They thought he had stopped killing in the 80s in uh, Los Angeles till they started finding bodies again. They figured out who he was. They go into his house and there's hundreds upon hundreds of pictures of nude and unconscious women hidden inside the walls of his garage. He died a few years ago. There's no way they'll ever know how right. many people he actually killed. Jesus. But. The Los town, the city of Los Angeles, wouldn't even admit to the community that they had a serial killer at the time that he was active. It's fascinating. The okay, so if you want to hear more stuff like that, you should check out Deathcast for sure. And you can find that show, Ian, pretty much anywhere you can. You listen to your podcast, right? Anywhere you're listening to this show. Yep. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Spreaker, uh, Stitcher, 
uh, Amazon, Audible, you name it, it's there. Well, and I will tell you this, like I said, folks, I am I'm not a huge, gigantic true crime junkie, but I love Ian's show because I love the detail. And, I, you know, I get the whole story. I don't get, you know, 35 sanitized minutes of the story. I can get six or seven episodes of the story. And I, I like I said, I totally appreciate that. Oh, thank um, Oh, yes. No, thank you for the show. Um, so we will round out the show here with what I call the five, which is five mm -hmm. questions that I ask each guest, um, kind of prying into your personality or your thoughts or what have you. Um, and of course, the answer doesn't have to be, this isn't like, you know, this isn't the SATs. So if I ask yes. you a question and there are three answers, obviously you can give three answers. Okay. Um, the first one is, what is your favorite band or musician? And of course, like I said, that could, if you're like me, music is fluid. So there might be somebody I'm listening to a lot right now that maybe I wasn't a few years ago or whatever. My favorite band of all time and has been since I was about 18 is Judas Priest. Okay. But only with Rob Halford. And I got into them because I started uh, listening. I was a bit, I'm a big metalhead. Mm-hmm. And one of my cousins was very anti-gay. So any band that I started like showing interest in, oh, don't listen to them. They're gay. And he meant it like King Diamond. Oh, he, he sings like a, pardon my French, but he sings like a queer. Mm -hmm. King Diamond is amazing. I love the King. How, there's just something about Halford. I've seen Judas Priest about 12 times at this point. Uh, I love them. I know some of their songs are che cheesy, but Halford is just mind blowing to watch and listen to. And, and you know what? It's it, 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 and music is art, and art is subjective. You know, so yeah, okay. So they did some cheesy stuff. Big deal. Who cares? Everybody I, does. Everybody yes. does. I still <laughs> you know? love it. That I, it's like I always say: the goal of and, and I, I, I I'm going to say I'm going to use Metallica for instance. All right. The goal of the goal of being a musician is yes, it is for the love of the music, but obviously you want to make money. That's right. You know, so why wouldn't you do some radio friendly stuff or why? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I always get it always gets to me when people like bust on on Metallica. Metallica evolved as a band because they got older. What is worse, Metallica evolving as a band because they got older, or um, um, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith? 70 something years old standing there in his pathetic still wearing spandex and the same shit that he wore in the 70s to me that shows me that metallica is a better band aerosmith hasn't evolved you know and to me as you get older you should evolve i don't know yeah. just, just a it, just an observation it depends on the band too because i love acdc as well and they haven't evolved in 50 years really <laughs> they've got a new lead singer they, that was about it they, there are exceptions to the rule. Yes, there yeah. are, definitely. But um, how about what is your favorite or favorite plural uh, movie genres or genre? Oh, um, crime thrillers, uh, you know, in the vein of Dirty Harry and Death Wish mm -hmm. really are my favorites. Uh, I love British comedy films, older yes. ones, not yes. newer. yes. I love British comedy. You know, Nuns on the Run, uh, Monty Python, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
really, that's it. I don't want, I don't, honestly, I don't watch a whole ton of movies. The movies I watch are ones I've seen a thousand times because I enjoy them. I get, I get to that. I get to that point. I get to that point too. I, I am a, I, I enjoy science fiction <laughs> and I enjoy the horror genre. Those two. And then I also love comedy. However, much to like you were saying, I have not seen a good comedy movie made to my liking since probably 40 year old virgin. It is a dead art. Comedic film is a dead art. The last new comedy I saw that I liked was Hot Fuzz. Yeah, that was it. Was that after Forty Year Old Virgin? I can't remember. Somewhere but, around there. Yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg and the guy yes. that was in Shaun of the Dead with. Yes, him. and Timothy Dalton's in it. Yeah, that's it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, that that's funny. And it, but yeah, like early two thousands. That's it for me as far as comedy goes. Like I, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the Judd Apatow shit or. I wouldn't you know. know if I tripped over him in the street. Right. <laughs> the last new movie I saw was It Chapter One, and after that I said I'll never watch another new movie again because that was awful. <laughs> yeah, they they uh, they took the story and, and made it too glossy. It was too glossy, and I'm sorry, but I don't want to be sitting there watching a movie and they're sexualizing a girl that's supposed to be 12. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, but Pennywise came off as a meth head. And I, I literally, I wrote a blog post about this on Goodreads about just, I w- wish that Macho Man Randy Savage wanted to run in and just beat the piss out of him. My <laughs> wife and I were sitting in the theater and we're looking at each other going, we should go. Yeah, we should go the whole <laughs> time. And then I'm like, all right, let's go. No, let, we paid for this shit. Let's just sit here and finish it. It was like slow torture yes, I was gonna say it's like torture like uh um on um um oh what's the Kubrick movie um why am I blanking on it um where why in the hell am I blanking Clockwork on Orange? Clockwork Orange yes it's like I was gonna say it's like when they're making him watch the movie and they got his they're making him watch the film and they got his eyes held open yeah <laughs> yeah, I entertained myself during that just because I zoned out because it was like I can't believe I sat through this. <laughs> You're like I wrote four chapters of my book watching that movie. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, it was just it was terrible. And I'm everybody's the guy who played Pennywise. Oh, he's fantastic. No, he wasn't. He was a pussy, and he wasn't anywhere close to the uh, character in the book. He came off like somebody that you know was uh, mentally challenged. Who's your favorite comedian? Sam Kinison. Love Sam Kinison. But he yeah. is my favorite comedian. Last year, I actually got to interview his brother and former manager. Hmm. And other than uh, it, it, it was like he sounds just like Sam, his brother Bill. Um, he's an awesome guy, and I got the stories he was telling me both on air and off were amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I I love Kinnison too, and and a lot of the a lot of the good ones again with it are gone. Um, I'm I'm a huge. I like um, I like Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg yeah. is hilarious. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, you you have to. There's certain guys that are like a gold standard, like a Robin Williams or a George Carlin, where it's like I don't even have to say, you know, that those guys are in my in my favorites. Richard Pryor. But yeah, I mean, Dangerfield, Dangerfield to me is, I mean, I could, I can go down a Dangerfield wormhole on YouTube. And just... I've been, 
I've been going down at Billy Connolly wormhole. Oh God, Connolly is so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. So fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is great. He's the guy that kind of guy that makes me wish I had more personality because I could give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um. Next question: If you could be alive in any period of time, when would it be? The old west. No government. Pretty much lawlessness. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I want to be out there doing bad stuff, but right. I want to be able to live freely and do my thing. Yeah, it would be. Uh, it would be like you said. It's you've got you've got your. Fr- I don't. I don't. I. I can never. I. I put this question. The funny thing is, I told Chris, my last guest, I put this question on my list when I was coming up with this list of questions to ask people, and I don't have a legit answer to it yet. Mm-hmm. I've thought about it and thought about it. And I don't have an answer for it for my to, for myself, but um, I've wanted to live in the old west ever since I saw Young Guns. <laughs> I just wanted to go out, freaking get on a cow and ri- or a horse and ride out into the freaking plains and do my thing. Do your thing. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's it's uh, the ne- the last question. The last question is. Do you believe in God? Why or why not? I do believe in God, um, okay. but it's a personal uh, interpretation of Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, and and that this is that's why it's, this is also a question that I love because this is a discussion I love to have because I am not a believer, mm-hmm. and I love to I, I the the God the God conversation is just fascinating to me and I love to hear people's perspective on it and it's funny because I am one of the I, don't, I didn't mean to cut you off I'm sorry I'm yeah. gonna let you answer the question but I am they, they always say that's you know you don't talk to people about religion and you don't talk to people about politics and to mm-hmm. me once I get to know somebody the first thing I want to know is about their religion because religion I am not religious I do not believe but religion fascinates me I've studied religion it, I, I actually had a priest tell me having a conversation that I knew more about their church than most of the people that were in his congregation that were Catholic he's like you know more, more about the Catholic Church than most people that are Catholic it's because I find, even though I don't believe, I find religion fascinating, and I find the the idea of faith fascinating because mm-hmm. I don't I don't have any. No, it's without getting into too deep of it. Uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a power that was greater than myself. Mm-hmm. And and yes, and and I, that's where it gets tricky too. Is is it, sometimes it's, I'm on the bubble of am I atheist or am I agnostic because. I don't know. Yeah. You know, well, not, mine is just from personal experience. Uh, I was a pretty hardcore alcoholic for a number of years mm-hmm. and I should have died a number of times. And I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, there's stuff that I never talk about publicly that happened when I was out there drinking, getting beat up by hell's angels and things like that. Um, I shouldn't be here. I should be dead a hundred times over. But it just took a moment of clarity to realize I've been fighting something for so long because God, I was an individual. God was my enemy. I was the exact opposite of a believer in God, mm-hmm. flip side of the coin. Uh, if 
I've been fighting something for so long, then it obviously has power over me. If it has power over me, then it is a power greater than myself. Right. I try not to get too much deeper into it than that. I mean, I describe myself and people balk at me when I say this. I am a spiritual nihilist. I believe in a God, but I don't believe that there's anything beyond this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, um, and you know what? That is that is that is absolutely that's why I, I would never I never bulk at anybody's anybody's faith. Other than, and I don't, I will not go into it on this show. Other than Islam, I, I have, I am, anyway. Um, I, I, there's reasons, but I, somebody has faith. Their faith is their faith. Yes, you know, that's your relationship with whatever you think your deity is, or whatever you think your higher power is, and that's why I always say, like, um, uh, my 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 that is very much a, I mean, <laughs> very much a a Christian. Bible thumper. <laughs> yes. And you know what? She knows I don't believe. And she just tells me she's praying for me. And you know what? I just, I respect the fact that someone can have faith again, because I don't. So for somebody to have it for yeah. whatever, whatever they have faith in. And I get my, my mother's side of the family are hardcore Christians. I was raised in it. I walked away from it when I was nine. Because mm. it wasn't for me. I was, you know, more interested in darker stuff. Um, I believe that, the, you know, I, like I said, I can't, I don't get much further than this. I believe that there's something there outside that created all of us. I choose to believe it's God. I don't believe there's anything beyond this plane of existence for right. us. But I also don't believe that we're the only things that are in existence in this. Oh, world. yeah, no, that's. That's the one where, like, <laughs> I just said a minute ago, I won't, I won't dog somebody for their faith because that's their faith. Anybody that believes that there is not other life in this universe, it is either the most ignorant or arrogant thing you can possibly yes. think. And that's my thought process. I have a massive <laughs> ego. If you allow my ego to freaking fully inflate itself, there's not a lot enough room in the state of Pennsylvania <laughs> for me and everybody else. But it's not big enough to believe that I am so important in the grand scheme of things that this thing that created us just decided we're just going to make you guys over here and yes. everything else is just planets. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's, and, I, yeah. and, and that's one thing where, again, I'm not a shamer. I'm not a shame person. I don't shame people for things. Mm-hmm. But that is one thing where I will look at somebody and go, you have got to be fucking kidding me. You really believe that? Because that's mm-hmm. the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Yeah, in this great expanse. <laughs> we're the ever only... expanding, <laughs> uncountable amount of planets and galaxies. Where it? I don't think so. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, Ian, to close out the show, um, I appreciate you being here. One final uh, round, if you want to just let everybody know once again. I know we kind of did it earlier, but just to end the show, where they can find your stuff and, and where to find you everywhere. Okay, you can find me on Instagram, MeWe, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Truth Stream Media uh, Parlor. Just look for either Ian Totten, author, The Death Cast, or Corpse Creek Publishing. I'm on one of those, every one of those platforms under one of those names. It just depends on the platform and if I had an account that got suspended. Uh, 
all of my novels you can find at uh, you can find on Amazon. You uh, multiple different formats available: you paperback, hardback, ebook, uh, audio version. You can also find them through my website, CorpseCreekPublishing.com. You can find my podcast wherever it is you find podcasts or at tinyurl backslash dcastpod. Awesome stuff. And like I said, everybody, I highly recommend, especially the podcast. Um, I really do enjoy it. It's not me blowing smoke because Ian's on my show. I really do love his podcast. So, okay, yo, Ian, again, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. This is to close. And show, I will see everybody next time Ian around. Ian, once again, thank you very much, much so for thank joining you for me. It was a great conversation. And much like Chris from last week, I'm sure at some point Ian will be back on the show uh, to talk to Nate. <laughs> but that being said, before I sign off, if you're listening to the show and you have not yet, please join the Facebook group for the show. Just look up Nate talking to people on a podcast on Facebook. And uh, in that group, we have discussions. I post articles that I think are kind of fascinating, all that. It's not a meme hole like the Motley Soup. But speaking of the Motley Soup, if you're listening to the show and you haven't listened to the Motley Soup podcast, where my wife Kendall is truly the star, please do listen to that show as well. The Motley Soup podcast, everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Plus, we do have a Facebook group for that show too, which is kind of a meme hole, which I'm fine with that. I like funny memes. So anyway, that'll be it for the show this week, and I will see you next time around. And as my hero Groucho says, I must be going. Now I'd like to say a few words. Hello? I must be going. I cannot say I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. La la. For my sake, you must stay. If you should go away, you spoil this party. I am through it. I'll stay a week or two, I'll stay the summer through, but I am telling you, I must be going. I'll do anything you say, in fact I'll even stay, but I must be going.